Thank you for listening to the podcast of Palmetto Baptist Church. We pray that as you listen to the following message, that it will encourage you to continue to connect, grow, and serve in your relationship with God and with others. Luke chapter 10, Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42 is where we will focus this morning. The best life that was ever lived was Jesus Christ's life. And if we look into the Gospels and examine Jesus' life, we can see components of a best life, the best life, that we can draw from the Gospels, from Jesus' life, and apply to our own lives so that we can have the best possible life we can have. That's what this uh, series is about, the best life, looking at the life of Jesus through the lens of Luke And this morning's message is putting first things first. Luke chapter 10, beginning with verse 38. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, that is, on their way to Jerusalem, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord said, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we come before you to thank you for the opportunity to worship you in your house. And we pray that already, long before this moment, You were so welcomed in your house that you felt not as a guest, but as the host. And Lord, I pray that every person here, that you would give them the mindset that, hey, God has something to say to me this morning. God wants to do something in my life today. And Lord, I pray that we would not be satisfied walking away from this facility without having heard your voice to each of us. So, Lord, speak to us, and we believe that you will. Lord, we come to you to intercede on the behalf of some people who really need our prayers. We pray for the family of Tom Roper. And this morning, we miss that man. Lord, I thought about him as we were singing Victory in Jesus. He would have loved that this morning. I pray for Kathy, for Tommy, for Rodney, and for all of the grandchildren and their whole family as they prepare for Tom's memorial service tomorrow. And I pray for 
people who've lost loved ones in recent weeks and months. And while most of us have, because we're not intimately uh, involved in their lives, we've kind of moved on, but they're still hurting. And they still think about that loved one every single day. And Lord, we pause to remember them. We pray, Lord, for Mr. Johnny Hamlet, Mr. Ken Russell. We pray for Charlie Laster, for the healing of her bones, and for her dad, Mike, for the healing of his body from cancer. We pray, Lord, for uh, Marie Glish. We pray for Rachel Kearns and McCullough Kearns. Lord, we pray for Mr. Jim Barfield. We pray for Merrill Jenkins, Mr. Ed Johnson, Mr. Clyde Taylor, Mr. Charlie Pace, and his wonderful wife, Hilda. Lord, we pray for Joyce Cox, the sister of Jane Hardy, who's had, in the last few days, a heart attack and two strokes. We pray for Mr. Claude Thomas. We pray for Laura Scott. We pray for Billy Landers and for Kathy and their family. We pray for Harold Huffmaster. We pray for Chris Creel and we pray for Bobby Brightwell. We pray for Stanton Johnston. Lord, we pray for the future of our church. We pray for the future of our nation. We pray for your forgiveness for our sins. And Lord, we love you. We need you. We pray for your anointing in this moment where we preach the word and receive it. And Lord, I pray that as a result in this invitation, lives will be changed. In Christ's name, amen. Well, I'd like to begin with uh, a tough assignment. You're going to have to think about it in your mind. But I'm going to give you a tough assignment, just an exercise to do in your mind right now. Are you ready for this? I want you to list in your mind your top five priorities in life. What are your top five priorities? Now, in case some of you have a writer's block, and I know some of you who have some sort of block, I'm going to give you some suggestions that may or may not be among your top priorities. You may include your physical health or emotional health or your spiritual health. You may include your children or your marriage or bundle those together in your family. Among your priorities may be time with friends, your education, your work, household chores, some sort of leisure activity that you'd like to do. I want you to think about the top priorities in your life. What would you list if you had to list your top five or six priorities? Okay? Do you have at least two or three of them? Raise your hand if you do. You got two or three of them? Okay? All right? I want you to think about that list of priorities. Put it over here in this side of your mind. Put it right over here. Now, over here, 
on this side, I want you to make another list. A list of the activities that you do on a daily basis. So over here you have a list of your top five or six priorities in life. Over here you have a list of your, your daily activities. The things you do daily. You got it over there. How many of you have at least two or three things on this daily activities list? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Okay. Priorities over here. Daily activities over here. Now, I want you to try, if you can, to look at both of those lists. Do they look the same? Are your list of daily activities in line with your list of life priorities. You see, the way you and I spend time tells a lot about what our real priorities are in life. If my list of priorities doesn't resemble my list of daily activities, then I need to decide if I really want to live out my chosen priorities, or if I just want to keep telling myself that my priorities are really priorities. Talk is cheap, isn't it? You see, the way we live our lives tells the truth about what our priorities are. If we claim that our health Our physical and emotional health is a priority, and yet we don't do one minute of exercise, and we spend every evening after 7 o'clock an hour and a half eating fried chicken, biscuits, gravy, fried okra, fried squash, and chocolate cheesecake, and then we reside in front of the television at 9 o'clock for a good hour with a bag of potato chips watching Criminal Minds, you can't really say that your health is a number one priority. By the way, you need to be in good health, good diet and exercise before you sit down to watch Criminal Minds anyway, or else you're going to get sick to your stomach. (laughs) If I say that uh, my children are a priority in my life, and yet quite often you'll hear these kind of words out of me that quality time is better than quantity of time, and yet at the end of the day, I'm too wiped out and still even busy to spend even five minutes with Hillary or Zachary, then I really can't say that my children are a top priority, can I? Because my priority list doesn't jive with my daily list. If I say that my marriage is a priority to me, and it is a priority to me, and yet I spend more time in front of the computer than I do in front of Amanda, then am I really, really living out what I say is my priority about my marriage? Who am I kidding? Who are we kidding? Well, probably just ourselves. What is important, absolutely, positively, without comparison, the most important thing or things in your life? Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42, uh, introduce us to three people who are very, very good friends of Jesus Christ. Lazarus, 
and his two sisters, Mary and Martha. Martha is pretty much, pretty much the one who rules the roost there. Uh, Lazarus is the one whose household it is, but Martha is the one who pretty much rules the roost. They live in a village called Bethany. It's about uh, just less than two miles east of Jerusalem. And any time Jesus is in the vicinity of Jerusalem, he will normally stay at Lazarus, Martha, and Mary's home. And then he will commute back and forth the two miles into Jerusalem and back. But he'll always stay with them. And in this particular passage, he is staying with them on the way to Jerusalem. In Luke, Jesus only makes one trip to Jerusalem, and it is that final trip. Now, in John's Gospel, Jesus makes at least three, maybe four or five trips to Jerusalem, but at least three. But Luke only records one of them, the very last one. And in this particular instance, Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. He's within two miles of there. It will be his final trip. It will be where he will die. It will be where he will be crucified. And on the way, he stopped off to visit with Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And they have invited him to dinner. Luke doesn't mention Lazarus here. We have to look at other passages of Scripture to even know that Lazarus is around. Luke tells us that Mary is is seated at Jesus' feet, hanging on to every word that he says. Every time you see Mary in Luke, she's at the feet of Jesus. Martha is busy making preparations for the meal. In fact, Luke tells us that what she's doing is pretty important. He said she's making the preparations that had to be made. But she's getting agitated. You ladies, I'm mainly talking to the ladies, because I know it's the ladies that this normally happens to. You ever had some event planned at your house, and you've been busy getting ready for it, And nobody else in your family is helping you with it? Oh, they'll say, honey, can I help you with this? Honey, is there anything that I I can do to help you? But you know that they really don't intend to help. They're just offering that question as kind of an appeasement to you. You've been there, haven't you? Martha's getting agitated because Mary's not helping her make the preparations that had to be made. And so she decides that since she has had no headway with Mary, she goes to Jesus. Jesus can have headway with Mary. After all, Mary is at his feet hanging on to every single word that Jesus says. And so she goes to Jesus. Master, are you not upset that Mary is not helping me? You need to tell her to help me. And she was surprised by his response. He flatly refused. In fact, there are three things, very important important facts that Jesus tells Mary. First, he says, Martha, uh, that he tells Martha, he says, Martha, you are worried and distracted over many things. You're worried about a lot of things. The second thing he tells her is, Mary, on the other hand, has zeroed in on what is important, the most important thing in her life. And then the third thing, and this is really what A shocked Martha, I'm sure. He said, I will not change Mary's decisions to suit your desires. I will not change Mary to suit Martha. 
And so that was the way it ended. But Jesus used this event, this uh, uh, this situation with Martha to teach her. He used it. He turned it into a teaching moment to talk about priorities. Stephen Covey, the writer of The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, said, most of us spend too much time on what is urgent and not enough time on what is important. Stephen Pressfield, who authored a book called The Work of Art, Breaking Through the Blocks and Winning Your creative battle says this. He says, the principle of priority states, A, that you must know the difference between what is urgent and what is important, and B, you must do what's important first. The German writer and artist Van Gogh said this. He says, things which matter most must never be at the mercy of things which matter the least. This is a story about priorities. It is a story about putting first things first. It is a story that you'd think at some point we would get, it would click and click for good, and yet it never quite clicks for good. It clicks for a while. It's kind of like my link article this month. How many of you read the link article? Raise your hand. You were the ones who were on time this morning. Now, I know what's going to happen. I'm going to have to print the same article next month. Because you're going to forget it. You're going to forget it. And some of you who haven't read the link yet, now you're going to go home and wonder, what in the world's with that link article? You need to read it. I hope you'll read it. But don't be late in reading it. Hmm. It's a story about priorities. And there are four things I want you to get from this story. The first is this. If you don't prioritize your life, someone else will. I don't care where you go any day, tomorrow, at work, or school, or play, there will be somebody. I don't know if Satan has put them there or if God has put them there. Sometimes God plays jokes on us this way, but somebody has put somebody in your life who is more than willing to set your priorities for you. In Mary's case, Martha was only too happy to set Mary's priorities. But you see, Mary had decided beforehand what her priority was going to be. For Mary, when Jesus arrived, sitting at his feet, listening to his every word, worshiping him and him only, was going to be her priority. And evidently, judged upon all the different times you see her in the, in the Gospels, She had her life priority as intimacy, uh, an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. And she knew that if she didn't set a priority, Martha would do it. If you don't set your own life priorities, somebody else will. And more than likely, they're not going to set the priorities that you would set for your own life. Second. You need to ask yourself the right questions. There are a couple of questions that I suggest that you and I ask ourselves when we think about our priorities. The first question is this, is everything really important? Is everything really important? You see, that's, the, that's kind of the way we tend to go about our days, isn't it? Everything we've got to do is important. And so we try to either do all of it at one time, or we can because we consider everything as 
vitally important, including the things that really aren't that important, we tend to jump ahead to the things that are not as important and put them at the front of the line. And then we'll put the things that are really important, we'll put them off. We'll procrastinate a little bit. We'll kick the can down the road a little piece. The second question we need to ask is, what are the two or three most important things I need to do now? That is, today. One writer said this, prioritization is key, followed by actually doing something on the highest priority items. If you set yourself uh, a gauge, zero to, let's say, uh, three, zero is absolutely no priority. One, low priority. Two, medium priority. Three, high priority. Have those, those uh, four criteria. Zero, no priority. One, low priority. Two, medium priority. Three, high priority. And then take everything you're going to do in your life in a day and, and categorize it according to those three things, those four things. And then throw away the bottom three. And focus on the top priority items on your list. Those are the questions you need to ask yourself. Now, let me just, as a side note, say this, because you may do this. I know I do this, and so I thought about this. A lot of times, whenever I have a list of priorities, the things that are of highest priority to me, I don't want to do. And so instead of doing the highest priority thing, because I really don't want to do it, or it may seem like an overwhelming task, so I want to put it off, I'll instead substitute for that most important thing something that's not nearly important that I actually like doing and I can, I can accomplish pretty quickly. We don't need to let our likes determine our priorities. We need to focus on the priorities that whether we like them or not, most need and most importantly need to be accomplished. Number three, we need to turn our priorities into action. Mary placed a priority on her relationship with Christ. And so when Jesus arrived in Bethany, Mary put her priority into action. She put it into action. If I say I have a priority, if I say my priority, my priority, one of my priorities is my relationship with God, but I never really take time for God, my friend, a priority is just talk. Until I put that priority into action, it is worth nothing. If my marriage is important, at least that's what I say, then I've got to put that into action. If my children are important, then I must do more than just say that. I must put that into action. It is not enough to have priorities, although that is the first first, uh, step. But we must put those priorities into action. And then, number four, we need to stay focused. Mary was focused. I'm sure that before Martha ever went to Jesus, she was badgering Mary. Mary, you need to come in here. Mary, I need help with this. Mary, what are you doing in there at Jesus' feet, just hanging around there, you lazy thing? You need to come up here. She probably badgered her for a good couple of three hours before Martha ever resorted to going to Jesus. 
Why did it not do any good, all the badgering? Here's why. Because Mary was singularly focused on her priority, which was worshiping Jesus, which was being there. She knew that her time with him was short, short because he doesn't stay in Bethany all the time and short because Jesus had hinted that something was about to happen in Jerusalem. So her time was short, and so she was focused on what she was doing with Jesus. And when you are focused on something, then nothing can distract you. No badgering, no nagging, no noise can distract you from what you are focused on. Most effective companies do this all the time. In 1950, the Boeing company wanted to become the dominant player in commercial aircraft and bring the world into the jet age. That was their goal. They have done that. Nike in the 1960s was unknown. Their goal was to crush Adidas. They have done that. In 1962, Sam Walton of Bentonville, Arkansas, wanted to put a discount department store in every community in America and for it to become a $125 billion company by the year 2000. He has done that and their company as of last year was not $125 billion, it was $454 billion. He's done that. Google, when Google first came out as a search engine on the internet, they wanted to organize the world's information and make it universally accessible and useful. They have done that. They have by far the most used search engine on the internet today with over 75% of searches done through Google. Microsoft wanted to put a computer on every desk and in every home. They have put multiple computers on every desk in every home. Ford, Henry Ford in the early 1900s wanted to, quote, democratize the automobile. In other words, he wanted everybody to be able to afford one. And he was the first one to put automobiles on an assembly line. He accomplished that goal. Walt Disney wanted to have the best company in the world for family entertainment. If you've been to Disney World, you know he's accomplished that very task. Amazon.com wanted every book ever printed in every language, all available in less than 60 seconds. They accomplished that. Their next goal is to outsell Walmart. They are still chasing that. But what I'm pointing out here is these effective companies had a singular focus and everything they did was anchored in that focus. And like the world's most effective companies, the most effective people are those who set goals and then zero in on accomplishing those goals. The best life sets priorities and then puts those priorities into action. And yet so many of us Christians and certainly so many churches do just the opposite. We have a Martha mentality. The more that we can do, the more distractions we have, the more lights on in the house, the more activities that are going on, the stronger we are. Not true. Jesus' words to Martha in complimenting Mary are the same words that he says to churches and the same words he says to us Christians. We're trying to do too much in our lives, and we need to downsize in order to maximize our effectiveness for God. Fred Craddock, my mentor, had a friend whose family was missionaries in China back when the communists took over China and the missionaries had to leave. 
They were told they could return home to America and had 24 hours to pack. 24 hours to pack. They could carry with them 200 pounds. 200 pounds. 200 pounds gets, you can fill that up in a hurry. And so the husband and wife and their children had lived in China for years. They had lots of stuff they'd accumulated. What would they decide to bring? And so they took their scales and they began to weigh this, that, and the other. They chose and chose and weighed and weighed until they had exactly 200 pounds. They had a typewriter. They had a vase that had been given to them by a special friend. Essential clothes. 200 pounds to the very ounce they had. When they met the soldier at the airport, the soldier said, Ready to go? Yes, we are. Did you weigh everything? Yes, we did. Did you weigh the children? The children? Weigh the children. In an instant, the typewriter went in the garbage can, the vase was thrown away, some of the clothes were done away with. You know why? Because some things are more important than anything else. Are you, in your life, putting first things first? Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, you show us every day the right way to live the right way to go, the things that need to be priorities in our lives. We are tempted in our world to be so distracted, so busy. We we have a Martha temptation. But help us to have merry kind of hearts in this Martha kind of world. Help us to focus in on what is really important and leave the other things even if they're good things, to the side. Help us to fill our lives with what is most important first. And Lord, certainly that is a relationship with you. I pray, Lord, for someone who's here who's never invited you to be their Savior. I pray that they would come and invite you into their lives today. I pray for those who uh, need to join this church. I pray for those who need to be baptized. I pray for those who have other decisions that they need to make. And today, you're leading them to make them. Lord, help us to choose the good part like Mary did. Right now, in Jesus' name, amen.